What's up, guys, and welcome to the very first We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Sam Orlick, and you can follow me on Twitter at S-D-O-R-L-I-K. Now, today is a very special day. We have a great guest coming in today. That's Dubby from Dub Nation HQ. And we are going to be discussing this incredible 18-2 start for the Warriors, a preview of the Warriors-Suns matchup, and a little bit of deep dive talking about what the upcoming return of Clay Thompson and James Wiseman might mean to this team. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Hey, Dubby, how's Yo, it going? That's going well. How are you doing? What's up, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I'm just uh, working on the old preview. Cool, man. So, I mean, let's talk Warriors. I mean, man, is it a great time to be a Warriors fan in 2021 or what? You know, I would call it unbelievable if I didn't have a colleague that had been making fun of me for not believing for so long. (laughs) (laughs) They, uh, They put it together this year, man. I don't know exactly how much... Uh, blame to put on certain people or parts of the organization, but a lot of the pieces are all coming together right now. And they look as dangerous as they did during the peak, man. I know people really don't believe in them as much without Kevin Durant or with Clay coming back all hurt, but they're playing like a legitimate title team right now. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. This is, uh, this is definitely shades of that uh, 14, 15, 15, 16 teams that just amazing flow, incredible defense, interchangeable pieces, just all kind of seamlessly coming together. And, um, you know, I, I, I like you kind of hinted at, at not to put blame on certain things, but it does seem like from the front office to the coaching staff to the players on the roster that something just clicked this season that obviously was off last season uh you know we can kind of rule out two seasons ago it wasn't really much of anything <laughs> right yeah, yeah no, no stuff everybody's broken yeah. but i mean the 18 and 2 but, start number one defense in the league mm-hmm. yeah and i mean you know i know it's a very rosy time right now but yeah I, I think that it's it's fair to look at some of the way that the organization was operating as far as their personnel decisions and their coaching approaches um they intentionally and very visibly revised both of those areas heavily this offseason. And, um, you know, I know Steph is playing as well as he ever has. Draymond, Draymond Green is probably playing better than he ever has. Um, and a lot of the new pieces are fitting in really well. Jordan Poole looks better. But, you know, moving Mike Brown off the offense to focus on the defensive side of coaching bring in Atkinson to sort of add some new um, philosophical wrinkles, shall we say, to the mix. And then, of course, the big man development, um, which we'll hopefully see start to pay fruit in the near future. Yeah, Chris DeMarco. Um, Uh, Yeah, I was really supportive of Kerr changing up his staff. You know, he mentioned that it was too much of a yes man kind of situation going on. Yeah. And I kind of agree with him. I mean, it's this is his seventh year coaching, I think. Um, and 
a lot of the staff has been more or less the same. So it was time for a change. You do have those key pieces, Steph and Draymond doing their things that they've always done. I do like, you know, Draymond playing the best he's ever played. He mentioned recently that, uh, you know, his kids are getting old enough to understand what's going on. And he feels some additional motivations to prove to his kids the type of player he wants to be and the legacy he wants to leave behind for them and not the version of Draymond that they've all heard over the last few years. Yeah. You know, it's funny because he brought up his kids in the last post game too, when he was talking about Steph's defense or when, you know, when, when you're playing good defense and the guy makes a shot, he was like, you know, they, you can't really tell what good defense looks like sometimes because you just see a guy get hot and make good shots. Like anybody can see that. My kid could see that. So I bet you he does have some conversations around his house. I do like his mentality with regards to reacting to the officiating. You can see it's just night and day, at least, you know, 20 games in. I think this is enough of a sample size that, I mean, he he's making an adjustment. You see the mm-hmm. the same types of reactions, but he's handling it differently. And he's, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's gotten a technical yet on the year. Is that right? Yeah, maybe he has one. Uh, didn't he get one at the in Charlotte? Mm, okay, yeah, that that Charlotte I could, was pretty I disappointing. Be, so I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think I think that stuff matters. But whatever it is, I mean, I you know, I'm I'm much less interested in discussion of like assigning blame or or second guessing what opportunities may have been there for a while that were not addressed. You know, I'm just I'm just happy that it's all working out right now. Um, and we haven't mentioned it yet, but but the return of Clay Thompson as an emotional boost is is a factor. You know, mm-hmm. that's not nothing that Clay Thompson is coming back. Yeah, oh man, this team's gonna be scary. I am kind of interested to see how the rotations will change. I'm not worried about it because mm-hmm. the team is just made up of all these high character guys, and you've already seen it. JTA had his minutes reduced a little bit when Kaminga was getting some run and that kind of flip-flopped. Kaminga kind of fell back a little bit as you expect, you know, rookies go through ups and downs and now JTA is getting an opportunity to get some of those minutes and making the most of it. Um, But it will be interesting to see how the rotation changes, who kind of gets squeezed out and how guys adjust. I don't think it's going to mess with chemistry at all or anything like that. I'm more just curious to see, you know, I think some guys just won't get opportunities to play. I think Kerr kind of prefers yeah. to like, if you're going to play, you're going to play whatever 10 minutes, unless it's like the end of the game garbage time. Um, so I don't think it's like guys are going to get like five minutes, but you know, some, some nights Damian Lee might not get on the floor. JTA might not get on the floor. So it'll just be interesting to see how that all shapes up. But yeah, Clay Thompson, a huge boost. This team is going to be really scary regardless of what version of clay shows up on the floor. Um, I mean, just the emotional boost, having him back. I I totally agree with you. It it cannot be understated enough. Yeah. And he does look good though. Like he's moving and running and jumping and and shooting smooth. Um, You know, those are a couple of really major injuries and uh, he may not look exactly the same, but boy, early early snippets that we see sure do make it look like he's going to be something close to it. Um, and, you know, yeah. 
that's right now. He's not even ready to play basketball yet. Right. Finals aren't for another six months. Right. 900 days since he's played an NBA game, man. It's crazy, man. Modern, modern surgery. Incredible. You know, both of those could have been career enders. So um, something else I wanted to bring up that I think is also a really big piece of the Warriors' success is uh, Jordan Poole. Uh, I know, Mm -hmm. you know, he's kind of been a little up and down, definitely not this season, but I think coming into this season, there was a lot of hype. He struggled early, uh, but he's been really impressive and he's been a really big piece of this team and will continue to be moving forward. Yeah, no, you know, he went in summer league and then when the game started to matter, he, he really did have a tough time, I think, in the early start of the season. Uh, you know, better better competition, uh, defenses are more well-prepared, and, you know, there starts to be a book on you. You know, players know how to defend you and which move they're going to look for and all that stuff. But I think you're right. He sort of just kept his head down and kept plugging away at it. But one thing I did like about his early season struggle, too, is he didn't go the Kelly Oubre route where, when you know, Ubre was just couldn't hit anything. And he kept shooting. <laughs> like <laughs> shooting. And it got to be like a historical level of detriment. <laughs> like it was really bad. Um, and you know, Jordan Poole, if, if his outside shot's not hitting, he's gonna put his head down and take it inside a little bit more or look to hit some passes. Um, so I think that that is something really good that bodes well for him. With Clay's return, you know, he's one of the guys who's going to get bumped around. I think you're right that Kerr will protect his minutes a little bit more. So it's probably going to be people like JTA, um, guys further down the depth chart that actually see their minutes drastically reduced. But I guarantee you, Poole's going to get tossed around the rotation quite a bit because he's one of the guys that they really need to help them. You know, the, the, off, the on-ball dribble creation has been – a deadly lack on this team for a long time. And that's why they've always struggled when Stephen Curry sits because he's just so good and he plays so many minutes. It just makes sense to build your team around the idea that that guy is always kicking ass on the court. So whenever he sits down, there's this sort of strategic hole in the composition of the roster that Jordan Poole is now filling, you know, the sort of Barbosa role, you know, it, we can accept some flaws if you can actually get out there and like make people care that you're taking it to the hole. And that's not something that this team has had for a while. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, It's been a long time since we've had a guy who can put his head down and get to the rim. I mean, you see flashes of that with Kaminga too, which is why I'm really excited Mm -hmm. to see what, what he can grow into, but man, just for the longest time, it's been either shoot outside or, or you have some type of post game, but We've never really had guys for a while who can get to the rim. And he's he is very versatile. He can score at all three levels. He's a great free throw shooter. I think that's part of the reason why he struggled early. His outside shot wasn't dropping and he wasn't getting he wasn't able to figure out or make the adjustment as a lot of players have struggled with the change in officiating and and foul how fouls were being called. And so he was attacking the rim he's getting contact he wasn't getting to the free throw line he wasn't finishing but he's adjusting i mean and that's to your point he's a he's a high iq player he's making adjustments he's learning as he goes it's not just 
repeating the same mistakes, i.e. Ubre. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I mean, you know, I I actually wanted Ubre to come back on a minimum deal or maybe even the mini MLE. Um, but it, it's like the video game thing where, you know, Monte Ellis was a fantastic video game backup point guard for me for years. <laughs> and, you know, he would just never accept that role. He would never play like that. So it, it's not just about what they can do. It's like these guys have to actually choose to play a certain way or, or pass certain things up and choose other directions. And that's really one of the big differences in the Kerr offense. And I think that's one of the things they sort of prioritize is getting guys who play the right way. The uh, fit. Yeah, can't be understated like, yeah, enough. Fit, like Otto Porter and, you know, Gary Payton. Even, even someone who's been here longer, like Kayvon Looney, they just know how to make the right plays. They just are in the right position, and they're not doing stupid things. Um, and that goes a long way for a team that's, that's serious about winning because you, you don't have a situation where it's cool to mess around a whole bunch. Like, if you're taking possessions away from Stephen Curry shooting, boy, it, it better be worth it. Right. I think, I think Kayvon Looney is like – probably one of the most underrated players on the Warriors, in my opinion. He gets no love. Mm-hmm. He's been here for seven years. He's just a <laughs> Steve Kerr disciple. He's only he's still young. I think he's only like 25, 26. He's not old. His, his poor body is beat up. But, yeah. I mean, he does everything you ask him to do. He defends. He doesn't really make mistakes. Sure, the free throws come and go. The offense comes and goes. But you need those glue guys who don't need the ball in their hands, who don't need to play 30 minutes, who don't have an ego, who do all the little things in the dirty work. And he's definitely come up with some big moments and some big games this season. Another, another guy that just kind of fits into this mold of, and, and kind of is the reason why the team has been as successful as they've been. You need all of that to go along yeah, no, with the stars. Yeah. And Looney is, is, is an elite uh, rebounder too. Like if you look at his, stats like he's in according to cleaning the glass he's in the 94th percentile for offensive rebounding rate like he's legitimately like (laughs) he's just so quietly elite and nobody really trips on it yep yeah how many times do guards get switched does he get switched onto guards and pick and roll and he keeps them in front Mm -hmm. they don't get to the rim they settle for a jumper right or you know there's the the thing with harden where you know You've been testing that, that play against him for a long time, dude. You're going to dribble it right into his chest. He's not going to foul you. And then when you take your little step back, he's going to lean forward and get get close. You know, he's, he's stuffing guys like uh, Andre Drummond just couldn't get through him. You know, he's a shockingly solid guy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, I wanted to go back to something you mentioned earlier about the coaching staff, because I really feel like Steve Kerr has been way more engaged this season to last i know he he kind of made the the comment a little bit jokingly that like we're chasing wins this year for sure <laughs> you know and and it that shows joke <laughs> <laughs> i mean it shows the defensive sets the timeouts at the end of quarters to to make sure we get a good shot and scores the changing curry's rotation um his minutes all of that kind of factors into this product that we're seeing today. You just see that they're way more engaged. Um, there have been times where I think Draymond or Iguodala have been like challenged to play. And he's, he's always been pretty good about that. If, if those guys feel like they want to do a challenge that he, 
he rolls with it. Mm-hmm. But you just see Kerr way more locked in. And I think it goes to, you know, having new new faces with him on the bench and just a whole different approach to this season than than the last few years. Yeah, I mean, these guys are human beings. Like, you know, he's he's been at this job, what, seven years, eight years? Yeah. Uh, and it's exciting at first, but then you get Durant and it's just like, sort of doesn't matter what we do most of the time guys like <laughs> just just go be veterans and win and then i think when that went away he sort of floundered a little bit you know i think the entire franchise floundered and like you know uh again my colleague who daniel who's been chastising me for not believing in this he, he's sort of saying the whole time like what are you gonna do you know, like, why are you going to spin your wheels trying to get marginal improvements around the wings or, you know, some mini mid-level exception player, you know, Rudy Gay or whatever. None of that's going to matter if you don't have Clay or Steph. It's just don't even bother, you know, or without Clay around, that's not the championship team yet. So don't bother too much fiddling with stuff. So Kerr sort of, I think, anyways, sort of, set it on autopilot a little bit at work. You know, he sort of showed up, ran through the motions and, and did a good job, but he wasn't as dialed in as you see him now. Like, you know, there's that hilarious gif of him, like doing the like enormous, like, yeah, fist bump on some. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love you know, that. 15th game of the season or something like that. He's, he's alive, man. He's, he's back. He's engaged all the way. And I think you're right that it's, it's it's not just about the coaching change, but like you wouldn't get there unless those things had happened. Right. Right. And I love the chalky defenses too. Like throw out whatever it takes. Who cares? Sch- scheme away. <laughs> I mean, yeah, God knows we've they've used it against us for, for however long. So everyone's getting a taste of their own medicine now. Like, Oh, gimmicky defenses. All right. I mean, at the end of the day, we're number one. So I think that's all that matters. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to throw some of that at Chris Paul tomorrow for sure. Or I guess we're probably going to throw it at Devin Booker. (laughs) Since he's the driver over there. Yeah. Good segue. So this is going to be a really interesting back-to-back coming up Phoenix in Phoenix tomorrow. And then I think back at home and chase on, on Friday. What are you kind of looking at, thinking about, worried about, not worried about? I mean, this is the one and two matchup that that everyone's kind of been waiting for. Right. So this, I, I you know, I, I'm sort of sanguine about a lot of this midseason stuff because I think I've seen enough Warriors playoff bas- basketball to know, like, unless one team, like, totally smokes the other both times, like, it's not going to matter a whole lot. Like if these games are close and I expect they will be relatively close, it's just sort of a close game in the middle of the regular season and you, you move on with your life. But there are some things that the Suns do really well that could be a problem for the Warriors and, and vice versa. So they've both had fairly soft schedules, but I'm obviously biased, of course, <laughs> but I here's, <laughs> Um, just have a little bit more of a proven backbone. You know, I in the preview that will go up, I don't know when this art, when this will air, but it goes up uh, the day of the game. 
I spent a lot of time talking about Stephen Curry and his defensive improvements and just his development as a, as an athlete and a person and how, you know, his mind and his body are sort of all together at their peak state right now, but he's been outplaying Chris Paul for seven years, eight years, like most of his career. And all those Clippers matchups, <laughs> all those Clippers, you know, and this is, I think Curry still takes those Clipper games personal, but at some point, you know, it's not going to be about Chris Paul anymore. I, I think that's something that we're really going to realize in these matchups is, you know, I was, I was looking at the, the usage rate. Chris Paul has the lowest usage rate of his entire career, like by a lot right now. Um, his usage rate is only 27%. He's below uh, Booker and even Cameron Payne. You know, even, but Cameron Payne's like a little bit lower, low minute. You know, Chris Paul still plays about 31 minutes a game, but um, Devin Booker's usage is the 99th percentile. Like, that's that's who runs the team. Chris Paul is out there in almost like a Draymond Green type role to alleviate the pressure when people try and box one Devin Booker. So I think that the Warriors are going to have to sort of throw a bunch of different looks at the Suns. And the Suns, oddly enough, I think their defense is better than their offense. Yeah, they're they're offense is only ranked seven and they have the third ranked defense uh as third net rating overall too so they're they're more of a defensive team than an offensive team but they're both strong but i think that the sun's offense might struggle against the warriors because i think curry is just better than chris paul he has been for a long time and um i feel like the warriors are pretty well suited to contain a player like Booker as a primary offensive threat, just because of all the years practicing against, you know, guys like Dame Lillard and uh, James Harden, you know, the sort of same like pick and roll heavy drive and shoot. Don't foul him kind of player that gives fits to people. But this is why the Warriors and other teams in the league now actually have copied it. It's why they went to the switch everything scheme. They're, they're built to contain a team that runs offense like the Suns do. What do you see? Uh, I'm a little concerned about Aiton and, his, and the rebounding. So yeah. I think that'll be definitely a point of emphasis. Um, I think we got a little, we've, I mean, the rebounding on the year for the Warriors has been great, which is interesting since they've been undersized. It's been kind of a committee by approach. I mean, Curry's always been a great mm-hmm. rebounder at the point guard position, but I just think Aiton presents a little bit of a different challenge. Yusuf Nurkic kind of gets played off the floor. Um, we haven't really gone up against true, true bigs. I don't think we haven't played Gobert yet. Um, Capella was kind of like a shadow of himself when we played uh-huh. Atlanta. He's kind of waking up now. So th- I think that'll definitely be interesting and, and defensively as well because Aiton's more mobile than a lot of those other bigs too. So that that's going to be something that I'm going to be looking at as for sure. Yeah, I would, I would point out that the Warriors are actually a sort of sneaky, strong rebounding team. Uh, I think they've got the third best rebound percentage in the league right now. So I think there will be some matchup problems and I think it will be some mouse in the house moments, you know, because they also, they've got JaVale right now who has resurrected his career with Golden State, but he is rim running for them right now and doing damage. Yeah. He eats, he gets like double doubles in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So both of those guys are going to be a factor. You know, we might go crazy and try somebody like, Kuminga or something like that, like 
we need some above the rim players. Um, and Looney, bless bless his heart, is not above the rim. Draymond can sort of meet you slightly above the rim, <laughs> but um, I think you're right. There are just some trees on that team that we got to be worried about. Yeah, uh, Nemanja has been surprisingly good on defense. I, yeah, which wasn't something I was expecting. Yeah. And it's not like he's coming up with big plays. He's just not making mistakes, which is sometimes more important, right? It's great when the guy gets a steal or a block, but if they're getting beat more times than not, right, for, for your team, it doesn't really help you. But if you're if you're holding your own, that I mean, that's that's what Kerr and the staff is asking them to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I you know I think with the Suns roster too, there's there's some holes in there that the Warriors can attack. I think they do have good players, but they're it's. The, you know, the, the Warriors are no strangers to the NBA. They're they're going to be out there, you know, playing bodies. If you can't jump high enough, then you just body them out. And that's, again, that's something that we were just talking about. Like, that's that's where Looney's elite. You don't actually think of him as an elite offensive rebounder, but he is. Um, or you just put in Peyton, and he'll just jump over everyone. Right. <laughs> yeah, Peyton <laughs> gets all the way up there, too. Or you Wiggins, know, that, too. I mean, he got up on that. Board. Oh, my God. There's, yeah, that freaky picture of him. <laughs> like, <laughs> looks like he's kind of standing on the air. Yeah, he's good. But, you know, the, the Suns are a relatively efficient team. That's the thing. is If, if you can get them to miss enough to where rebounding matters, um, I, I think that's that's something that you'll you'll take. The, the worst-case scenario is, you know, they, we, they play pool off the floor somehow. And they box one Curry, and you know I I can easily see a way for the Suns to beat this Warriors team, but it, it is going to take a lot of things to go right for them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's hard to see any team beating us with the way that we've been playing. Even when Curry doesn't have a good night, guys are stepping up off the bench. It'll be interesting not having Iguodala for this game. Yeah, Otto, Otto Porter Jr. has been huge. He needs to continue to rail those threes and play solid defense and hit the boards. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a shame that Curry went so crazy and Jordan Poole went so crazy because Otto Porter had a great end of the last game. But yeah, he, he's been playing really well. It seems like he's kind of, early season, he wasn't looking so good. His shot wasn't falling, but he's definitely come around. And this is mm-hmm. kind of the guy that we thought that we are getting at a bargain. Who's just the only question is health, but they're managing his minutes. He's getting rest. So I think it's really nice. I think that's going to be nice trends for the season. You know, we talked about Clay coming back and guys getting squeezed, but when you have some of these older players who are going to get rested, because we did, you know, lean pretty heavily on Iguodala through this this first twenty games, other guys are going to get opportunities. The the Chris Chiozas, the JTAs, the Kamingas. So I'm excited. Right. Guys need to stay ready. Um, I think. The last thing I wanted to ask you about is Wiseman, because I think he's the most perplexing piece of this puzzle. (laughs) Yeah. What, what specifically do you want to ask me about Wiseman? Like, let's tell her this a little bit because I can ramble about him for a while. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious because, you know, it seems like with the Warriors and what they're doing now, they don't actually want Wiseman to come back. I know the front office for sure wants him to play and wants to justify that number two pick. Uh, I think as a player, he has a lot of upside and potential. So I, I'm definitely not a Wiseman hater. I just feel like for the Warriors for this year and at least how they're playing and what we've seen of Wiseman, I don't know if we can, you know, stomach him playing 20, 25 minutes a game right out of the gate. 
So kind of curious what you think an ideal role for him will be, assuming when he's actually cleared to, to come back and, and return. Well, you know, I think right now uh, I'm still pretty high on Wiseman. And this is, it's like asking people about their religious choice or who they voted for. <laughs> it, it goes beyond just what the proof is, right? You have to choose which parts of reality to emphasize and believe in more. For me, I thought Wiseman looked really good a few flashes right before he got hurt. Like, remember when he got, like, benched and didn't play a game and he was all, like, sort of butthurt about it and then Kerr put him in the fourth quarter, maybe, like, the second half of the fourth quarter, and he just went nuts. Dunking on people, spin moves, you know, full court runners, like, coast-to-coast kind of things. Like, he was doing some really interesting things for a rookie who's by paper measures wasn't really helping the team win. So, and then, you know, he hurt his knee and then he came back or maybe it was vice versa. You know, he played really well and he did his wrist and then his knee, whatever it was, Wiseman had some really good flashes. So I think that you want to bring him back just to get him minutes again. And, you know, right now, the, the proof of concept is there with the roster as it stands. I think that's perfect for reintroducing Clay and Wiseman because you can sort of pick and choose the spots now. You can decide how you want to do it. I think Wiseman being a 19-year-old number two pick, it's a little more complicated than just what's best for the team. And you can argue that or not, but I think it's it's pretty apparent that there's considerations beyond just the basketball court that are involved with how much, when, and how to apply James Wiseman to your game plan. Um, I I do think he's good, but, you know, who's he going to take playing time away from is the sort of more interesting question to me. Exactly. See him coming in for 15 minutes a night, like running a rim like JaVale McGee, but, being able to actually dribble and, and pass and shoot. That that doesn't seem like a reach for the Wiseman that we saw last year, even as the team sort of struggled with him. And, you know, this is a way better team this year too than last year. So the environment that he's going to be stepping into is going to be a little more conducive to him having a good time out there. I don't think anybody really knew what was going on. I mean, you know, you made that quip earlier about Steve Kirk joking about chasing wins but like that's not a joke they, they really <laughs> they were making decisions last season that were not about winning immediately and they went back to the drawing board over the offseason season and we're like well you know boy we really did leave some on the court out there guys like we probably could have skipped that play-in tournament if we you know for example this season like if we burn Iguodala heavy minutes and see what he can take just to push out there and and scoop up a bunch of wins. Like why not do that? You, you save, you're saving some push for the end that may not matter because it's too late. So I'm really glad that the team has ran Iguodala into the ground and, you know, James Weissman hasn't been available, but I think once he is physically available and I'm not so sure how much the team is really holding it back versus just him not being physically ready because, you know, he's, he's sort of heavier on top and skinnier on the bottom, I think. 
visually. And, and I think during his injury, he's put a little more weight on the top. So I, I think you want to be real careful with a seven footer with a, with a lower leg injury in the first year of his career. I think it's more that than they don't want to bring him back or they're, they're hesitant to let him come back on the team. Yeah, those are, those are some good points. I, I definitely agree with you last season, you know, Kerr came into it saying Wiseman's not going to start and something obviously changed. I think, mm-hmm. you know, we can kind of infer from the front office where all of a sudden he's starting and playing 30 minutes in a role that he clearly was not ready for. So part of that is not his fault for only playing three games in college and then being asked to go up and be a starting center in a league where starting centers are pretty elite and pretty, pretty difficult position to play in. He didn't do well in pick and roll defense. He showed a lot of flashes and upside, like you said, going to coast to coast, stepping out, shooting threes, spin moves, attacking the rim. Um, I, I will be curious to see if he can kind of buy into the, the team ball that's kind of gone on because he is a little bit more, at least he's shown us a little bit more to be like an Ubre than like a JTA. So if he can kind of strike the balance and he's playing around better players now, which would obviously help. I think they really want Jordan Poole and Wiseman to develop some chemistry in that second unit to be like a two man and run pick and roll sets. So I think that could be really good for both of them allow pool to be more of a backup point guard than kind of like a combo guard at times and let Wiseman get easier looks at the rim rather than asking him to create on his own. Right. I mean, they, and they can now that's the thing. It's like, they, they can do that now that they have, they have a framework for him. And, you know, that's one of the, one of the roster changes is bringing Iguodala back. And there was some really cool quotes from him earlier in the season. Uh, I think they put his locker next to them and he was talking about, you know, the JaVale McGee redemption arc and, you know, don't make the game so complicated. Just go out there and run and hustle. And, and I think that having Iguodala around, um, especially with the sort sort of historical example of, of JaVale McGee, you know, Iguodala, like I think really believes that this kid could be special. And I think that he has a pretty simple plan to get him there. So Again, like I, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of James Weissman, and I, I know there's not really a ton of evidence right now, based on the statistics that he put up. Um, but a lot of the most negative things are team impact things, like like defensive rating. That's that's a team statistic. So maybe he's maybe he's flawed in some ways, but I don't think not being a defender on last year's team would prove that necessarily. Fair. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. And um, yeah, I, I definitely don't think the team's holding him back. I don't think he's been cleared yet. I just think there's definitely some interesting dialogue going on. Steve Kerr was asked about him and he's like, I don't know. The trainers will tell me when he's ready. I don't ask about Wiseman every day, something like that. You just kind of get the feel that the team's like so locked in and kind of more anticipating the return of Clay. And yeah, it will be great to have a big body like Wiseman to throw into the rotation and have that as another piece to what we can do. And I do agree that, you know, he's not going to be like a Kaminga where he only plays five minutes in some games because, you know, this will be his second year and there is a little bit more at stake there with, with where he was drafted. So we'll see how that all works out. I'll definitely be intrigued to see what Kerr does. If there's more pressure from the front office, if that changes the dynamic of the team and our win loss record, um, or if he starts to flourish and, you know, having the, these uh, 
old heads like Iguada and Draymond next to him. And he can really kind of take his game to the next level and prove everyone that, you know, he earned that selection over LaMelo Ball. (laughs) (laughs) You know, some people are never, you know, you can't convince some people of things. I I think there's. And I think they needed to take Wiseman. I'm not, I don't think that that ball was the right choice. I think, you know, for what they needed a big and there's no bigs in free agency you're going to get like that. So, oh, Jermaine McKee was out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I hear you. I, you know, I just think that, that, you know, you, you can't, <laughs> you can't pretend like everyone's going to be convinced if there's a good case made. And I think sure. that the things to understand about Weissman, man, is like, he'll, he'll never get to the point where nobody's second guessing that draft pick. I mean, maybe, maybe ball falls out enough to where it becomes a little more clear. But um, maybe I, that's just fuel to his fire and he puts in more work and becomes a better, more all around. Exactly. And player. that's how, the, that's how the best players are, dude. It's like, it's like playing golf. You know, you're not going against anybody else out there. You're just trying to be your personal best game. I, I think that's how Curry has been. I think that's how Draymond Green has been. Um, you know, and, it's way too easy to like psychoanalyze these 19 year olds. Like this kid's in a super high pressure environment, you know, millions of dollars on the line. And like you're talking about, there's, there's a clock with Weissman as the number two pick, like his extension is expensive. Like if you want to get extended as number two pick, you have to be worth it. I mean, that's, you know, Marquise Chris is out there floating around right now as a, I thought a pretty interesting player that's not getting a lot of interest. Once you get cut loose and the, and the system sort of decides that you're not going to work, it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy in a lot of cases. Yeah, for sure. It's rough out there when you're French, when you're a French player, for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, man, really great stuff tonight. And we looking forward to that Suns Warriors game tomorrow. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk Warriors. Uh, Definitely have to have you back again soon. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was nice talking to you, Sam. Thanks for uh, thanks for the invite. Uh, if we if we ever dust off our podcast, we'd love to have you on. But yeah, absolutely, invite me back. Cool, man. Thanks again. I appreciate it. All right, cheers. I'm Sam Orlick. This is the We Believe Golden State Warriors Basketball Podcast, a sports ethos presentation. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show, and we'll see you next time. Let's go, Dubs. <laughs>